it's good to touch the green, green grass of home. Yes, they'll all come to meet me. Welcome, Peter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to another edition of the Peter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. I'm John Ledyard from PeterReport.com. With me is Scott Reynolds, also of PeterReport.com, and it's a special edition of the Peter Report podcast today, Scott, for two reasons. Number one, we're previewing a Bucks playoff game, a Bucks home playoff game, and not this Super Bowl yes, that just happened to be at Raymond James thing, yep. but a real Bucks home playoff game against the visiting Philadelphia Eagles. And it's a special show because the one and only, the ringer, and my good friend, Ben Solak, who is a diehard Eagles guy as well, is on the show today to help us preview this wildcard playoff game. Look at him. Covering his face. Look, There's oh, that was good. I wasn't ready for the video to come on. That's on me. That's on me. <laughs> no, that was actually that great. It was that was good. Of, I like that. I'm going to try yeah, that. Very too. dramatic. Yeah, sure. Very dramatic. Yeah. yeah, I love it. Uh, ben, thanks so much for coming on, man. I appreciate it. How are you? And uh, are you looking forward to this one? I'm, I'm, I'm great. Fine and dandy. Looking forward to this is a little bit, a uh, little, little less so. Um, but it is, it's nice to have uh, the Eagles in the playoffs. That was a pleasant surprise for the season. So not unlike Washington's first round opponent last year, it's kind of like, oh, we're here. Cool. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's right. exciting. I know exactly hey, what I want to ask you about as we get the show started. I know Scott wants yeah. to shout out some of our well, sponsors I, at the beginning too. But I, I do. I just want to say two though. words, just as a little bit of a test. Rondé Barber. Yeah. Okay, yeah. good. You're still here. Okay, oh, good. So our, we, our, our, uh, just our making sure. Because anytime. sometimes... Sometimes when you say the word, say the words Rondé Barber to somebody who covers the Eagles or follows the Eagles or is a fan of the Eagles, they just run. They just yeah. take off. So, so you're still I, here. That's good. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been desensitized by our mutual friend, Trevor Sikama, who I did a there podcast with for, for almost three years. And just every time uh, we would ever get on an Eagles-Bucks conversation, yeah. that would be the first thing he brought up, to which I would always remind him, and I'll tell you, Scott, at the time, I was, it was 03, right? Yeah. So at the time, I was five. Was uh, so that's, that's, why, that's why it had cut me as well as it cuts others. Uh, right. My memory of it is exceedingly faint. Exactly. Exactly. That's good stuff. Speaking of good stuff, guys, we got to talk about fast protein bars. Okay. I had one of these for for lunch today. I'm not going to lie. Like, I didn't even have lunch. I had a, a salted caramel peanut crunch fast bar. And these are amazing. The taste is phenomenal and what's even better than the taste if i'm just being honest aside from the protein that you get in these bad boys we're talking only two grams of sugar 20 grams of protein is the fact that they're on sale they're on sale right now if you go to amazon and we'll have the the link in the description so mm-hmm. be it's sure to there. click on that is it in there it's in there it's oh, in yeah. there john's already getting in there what are you waiting for hit the button and go to Amazon and save 20% off now through the end of the month. Use the promo code 20FASTSTART. It should already be in there for you, but if, if, if it's not, 20FASTSTART to get 20% off of the fast protein bars. Two amazing flavors, the, the cookies and cream and the salted caramel peanut crunch. I had the salted, pe- peanut, salted caramel peanut crunch, easier for me to say, today. I'm going to have the other one tomorrow. Uh, just phenomenal way to get protein. I'm getting ready to go to the gym after the workout, uh, after the show here, get my workout in. And and the fast protein bars are, have already helped me. I can already feel my energy just coursing through my veins. The protein making my 
muscle stronger even before I hit the gym. So do the same thing, guys. Go to Amazon. Use that promo code FAST. 20 fast start and save 20% off fast protein bars. Absolutely. It's great stuff with our friends over fast. Cannot recommend enough. Best protein bar I've ever had for sure. Yeah. No question about it. Ben, you're getting some love in the chat as, as you always do. And you hey, come yeah. on. Let's get bass. That's I, I right. Find them and it's over with them. Here's my question to you to start this thing off, Ben, how surprised were you as the season materialized? And you realized the Eagles were going to make the playoffs. Like, where were you at with them at the beginning of the year, going into the year? And where do you feel like, like, as this year progressed, were you kind of stunned this is going to happen? Like, they clinched with a week left to go. Like, were you just blown away by that? Yeah, I would have told you preseason that the worst rosters in the league were like Detroit, Atlanta, and then like probably we get into the Philly conversation right there, yeah. right? In terms of like maybe the third worst roster, like Houston, you know what I mean? Like, there's yeah, other teams, right. but like they were in that like, three to seventh worst roster in the league range and it's not like that is different you know what i mean like the names i would have named for you will be starting on sunday it was the fact that uh they had a a coach in nick sirianni who i think deserves the flowers for the 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 change which is you know we we had the big you know the roots are taking and the flowers going to come and yada yada whatever and like uh, it's been a good year for coaches learning how to talk to the media in general dan campbell nick sirianni joe judge whatever um but the the when you get to the the nut of that, right? When you when you kind of get down to the brass tacks of that, it was him saying, first half of the season, man, we're just trying to figure stuff out. Like we're mm -hmm. just like, you know, like, it was very clear that that you had a huge philosophical shift on defense, going from a Jim Schwartz cover three, cover one to a John Gannon, we're gonna play straight cover two zone, we're gonna mm -hmm. rush four, but it's not gonna be like hand in the dirt one gap, wide nine stuff. Like, it's gonna be from these college fronts, like we're gonna run stunts and games. Like there was just a huge shift defensively in what they were gonna do. And offensively, it's an entirely new receiver core. Not a single receiver that they played. Like, they had Brager, Smith, and Watkins for their, their three starters. It's like every receiver had over 200 snaps. It's like a first to a second-year guy. You know what I mean? They have yeah. Jalen Hurts, who's a second-year quarterback, who, to his credit, has gotten better and better and better at throwing the ball every year, but still is a very specific thrower in terms of where he can get to his shots and how he gets to his shots. It was a learning process in the first half of the year. I thought that would take longer. And that's why I was like, yeah, Eagles aren't going to win a lot this year. You know, it's going to be under six and a half wins. That was their biggest win total at close because it just takes a while to figure that out. The testament goes to Sirianni and Gannon, who were able to figure out very quickly across the course of the first half of the season in the bye week, what we can and can't do, where our shots are, where our players are, where they aren't. And in figuring that out quickly, they were able to take a, a week back half of the season schedule right. and go five and two against it and be able to bring this thing home. And that, like I said, it's to their testament, that's to their credit. And so to me, I, I, I walk away from this season, surprised the Eagles are in the playoffs. My opinion on the roster rather remains where it was. It's not a good roster, but I, I have a lot of confidence now in the coaching staff uh, in terms of mm -hmm. their ability to figure out what their guys do well. And that's an encouraging thing. And, and let me just ask you this and then I'll let Scott jump in, but Jalen hurts, you know, his mm -hmm. development, his evolution as a player, you know, he's not, blowing the doors off anything but he's he's definitely put himself in the conversation to be the long-term guy in philadelphia i feel like from watching him play just what are your thoughts what were your thoughts on him coming into the year and now have you seen his game transform throughout the season but especially since they played the bucks in week six yeah it, it's nice to talk about hurts with guys from tampa because remembering the Jameis era is a really good barometer for hurts not because mm -hmm. they're the same players but because the conversation is similar uh, Winston, can you win with him? Can you not? Well, if you build it around him correctly and if you get a good game and he's got these nice stats, and he's a high volume thrower and it's explosive and whatever, yada, 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 yada. Quarterback generally ends up a binary proposition. 
Is he the guy, capital T, right. capital G, or is he not? If he is, mm-hmm. give him any amount of money he wants, right? It's when I laugh at, like, the Lamar Jackson contract extensions. Lamar's going to get whatever he wants. Dak was going to get whatever he wanted because he's the guy. Right. He yeah. can win it. And if the guy can't, which is the case with Jameis, then all right. Nothing wrong with being a good backup somewhere. Nothing wrong with, with making some Case Keenum money, making mm-hmm. some Chase Daniel money, make some Mike Glennon money, and go and bounce around a little bit. And when you get put out there to start, win a couple games, right? If yeah. Jalen Hurts ends up a long-term career successful backup slash spot starter, if he ends up Tyrod Taylor his whole career, what a great victory for a second-round pick. That's that's right. good, but it's good bargain on second-round pick, especially for how he looks first year at Alabama. We were like, wow, oh, that's yeah. a yeah. running back. You know what I mean? Sure. What a testament to how well he has developed. Yeah, this and, and year, I tell you, right. the, the thing ahead, is, Scott. we we saw his developments. You know, in, or at least I did. I watched a lot of Big Twelve football being a Kansas State guy, but I mean, that one year at Oklahoma, I mean, yep. it just it just totally developed him. And you had to give Lincoln Riley some credit. And the guy, the guys put some quarterbacks in the NFL. Say what you want about Baker Mayfield and, and Kyler Murray, but at, at the same time, I mean, there there was a huge step from the passer he was at Alabama to what he became in Oklahoma. And that's a kind of a quarterback friendly system, but to his credit, he took to it and, and developed more as a passer. Right. And and quarterback friendly system always kills me because like what system is like, all right, well let's be mean to our quarterback, but then the other guys, <laughs> like it's an offensive guard friendly system. Right. Yeah. Lincoln is just such a good teacher. That's what it is, right? He just, he he just is, helps yeah. guys get their eyes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, well, and, and also too, I, I, what I mean by that is I think there's a lot of, of short, high percentage completion uh, throws in that offense to get quarterbacks in rhythm early, as opposed to being a vertical based offense that goes down the field. That really is not Oklahoma, you know? And I think that, especially for a quarterback, that's not a gifted passer. Like, like Hertz was at Alabama accelerated his learning curve because so many first quarters, he had that confidence because, you know, he starts the game three or four, five, six, nine of 10. And, and then you just kind of snowball down the hill from there. It's funny. That's because that's what the Eagles tried to do with Hertz a lot in 2020 mm-hmm. when it was Peterson, right? Where it was like they just tried to get him to his layups, yeah. and right from the layups, you got to go from here. Under Sirianni, they say like, all right, we, if we're going to complete a pass, we better get our money's worth out of it because we don't do that very often. <laughs> uh, we don't got a lot of good, good, uh, you know, like yard after catch guys. You know what I mean? So we're gonna go. We're gonna go intermediate to downfield. Uh, so they kind of, they kind of, you know, use their their running game and their RPO game to kind of get those quick throws and get that yeah. that easy yeah. stuff underneath. Get your screens, get your get your little gains, and then they try to go explosive afterward. But Hertz has got more accurate, right? His eyes have gotten better. Uh, but in general, the route distribution has been what has improved uh, the mm-hmm. most. The the understanding of who gets the targets where has been yeah. what has improved the most. And mm-hmm. so now you're taking what Hertz does well throw in the run, throw outside the numbers, and you're maximizing it. Instead of like early on when they were like asking him to high-read middle linebackers and he was like, yeah. I do not know what this is. You know what I mean? And that's just, yeah. that's just Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, right? That's the body yeah. type. That's the prototype. That's not going to be his game. Right. And so let me ask you this because the Eagles offensive line has been – let's just talk about the Eagles offense for a second. But their offensive mm-hmm. line has been – kind of the catalyst to everything i feel like that's been the area that the being being as competent and actually as good as they are on the lines has kind of raised the floor for the team right like that their ability to win in the trenches has kind of allowed everything else to survive where they're not as good at you know these all the skill position players or things like that you know they've been able to survive because those lines have been as, as good as they've been so with the eagles offensive line just what have you seen this season is there a weak spot on there what's the biggest strength you know, we, we are talking to mostly Bucks fans, hopefully with some Eagles mm-hmm. fans in here too, but I know we're talking to mostly Bucks fans, so I know they're curious like where the strengths are at and is there a potential weakness or or downside to this Eagles offensive line, at least in pass protection. 
Yeah, so uh, Jason Kelsey could be an all-pro every year if he wanted yeah, to be. Right. But let's call a spade a spade. He's 290 pounds. Yeah, right. Vita is not. He's a little <laughs> bit bigger, right. right? And that's the thing is, is Kelsey, in every year that he has been a pro bowler, all-pro, first-team all-pro, in every single season of Kelsey's dominance, he doesn't really hold up great one-on-one against bull rushes. That's the price you pay. Yeah. Very happy to pay it. Would yeah, not yeah. trade him for any center in the league, Brian Jensen, Creed Humphrey, whoever you want. Mm-hmm. I love Jason Kelsey. He's Philly to me, whatever. But this is not the sort of matchup you like against a team that will put Vea at the nose and just mm-hmm. tell him to go uh, because it's very hard to help your center, right? There's there's very little you can do protection-wise unless you're like sliding the protection a ton to go help your center in that instance. The Eagles do slide a lot because they'll go their, their play-action game out of that. Uh, you know, and then they'll get boots and they'll get run action, sprint action out of out of, uh, out of hurts. So you should expect to see them move the pocket a lot because that's going right. to help protect Kelsey against, against Vea. But that's what you want to do is you want to take that uh, that light interior player and you want to put Vea head up on him and have him just shove him into Hertz's lap. Because Hertz is a very good pocket escaper, very good at yep. getting outside of the pocket, breaking a tackle. He's not a very good pocket manager, right? So if you put pressure around him, if you put muck around him, he's not going to, you know, slightly adjust the angle like Dak Prescott it right like reset his feet mm. find a second read to throw that he's gonna escape he's gonna break and obviously when Hurts breaks it's not necessarily great news for the defense but you can take the Eagles out of their structured passing game if you're able to just muddy that pocket pretty quickly and they are against Kelsey on a bull rush that's straight path but you know shortest yeah. distance between two points that's going to be your weakness but again like the Eagles have the answers for that so they're just going to try to move Hurts out of the pocket with their structure yeah, and it really, that that's a challenge for the Bucks defense that has not been good tackling this year, right? It's one thing if if you want to force Jalen Hurts to beat you with his legs, and let's face it, Hurts is the leading rusher in Philadelphia, so that that that, mm-hmm. that philosophy comes with a little bit of peril to it. Uh, but at the same time, it, it's when you look at and, and in, in that game, for example, against Tampa Bay, he only completed tw- twelve of twenty six passes, one hundred and fifteen yards. One touchdown, one interception, but where he hurt the Buccaneers was 10 carries, 44 yards. Now, listen, that's only a 4.4 average, but the thing is, is two touchdowns inside the red zone. And, and to me, that's where the Buccaneers are, are it can be in a little bit of danger, is is inside the red zone, because I didn't think they did a very good job of containing uh, the edges. And, you know, it's one thing if, if you allow Hurts to escape and run for 10 yards, if he's on the nine-yard line, that's a touchdown, right? So, I mean, that's that, that's what concerns me is, is do they have the answers inside the red zone for Hurts because he can really beat you throwing and running the ball? Yeah, and the Eagles do not have a good red zone offense outside of Hurts' run because they don't have an outside ball winner, right? You go to throw a fade route to Devontae Smith. Listen, yeah. Devontae is incredible, but the young man's 165 pounds soaking right. wet. It's just not what you want to, to be doing as an offense. Um, Devontae is obviously a great one-on-one separator, but again, he's not just the biggest guy, and Hurts isn't the most accurate quick game thrower, so yeah. it's not the easiest thing for them to do. If they're going to get into the red zone, get into their red zone packages, Hurts running game, they're going to go behind that offensive line. Right, they're going to involve Hurts, make you play eleven on eleven football, and they're going to run the football. That's how they want to do it. Uh, they can push, the, uh, you know, the line of scrimmage as well. If they can get to their double teams, they're really, really effective running with what we call like wide surfaces, right? Two tight ends, three mm-hmm. tight ends. Get, you know, Dallas Goddard, Jack Stoll, get their butts right behind Lane Johnson, just start shoving dudes, right? right. And like, they're they're going to be able to do that well, and they have Jordan Howard's power back for them. So when they get red zone, absolutely, it's it's that running game. When you get them into a passing down, and they do decide to drop back. More often than not, that becomes a Hurts breaks the pocket, Hurts scrambling, trying to try to mm-hmm. generate something play because he just doesn't read 
the quick windows in the red zone fast enough to hit them with consistency. And then it's just about eye discipline, right? You're going to be playing zone probably because you want to have eyes on Jalen Hurts. And then it's, you know, Levante David versus Jalen Hurts race to the pylon, Devin White, Jalen Hurts race to the pylon, which not last the time. best. Yeah. Not, not, last not time Hurts won it. Yeah. Not, not <laughs> yeah, the like. best thing you want to live with. But yeah. it's, you know, it, it, it is manageable if you're well coached in those scramble drills. But in general, the Eagles get to a first and 10 in the red zone. They're handing, they're handing the ball off or they're running a read option. Uh, yeah. And you're going to be able to just load the box on that and try to win it with numbers. Going to get to some of these questions here that we have, Ben. Uh, Paul uh, Atwell, who writes for us, wants to know, Ben, in the last Bucks matchup, Eagles played a ton of soft spot drop zones, lots of half-quarter quarter. Do you see that changing this time around or just in general? I know from talking to Fran Duffy, he used to tell me like just a lot, a decent amount has changed with the Eagles in terms of the way that they run their defense, just a little bit less simplistic maybe than it was. Has that been your right. observation? And do you expect to see some different things this time around? Yeah. So, right. When you're, when you're a zone cover team, right. Uh, like I feel like a man cover team can get like a little bit better every single week. And when it's a zone cover team, usually it just like happens. And that's because mm -hmm. zone is so much about seven guys working in concert. Everybody's kind of on a string, right? It's just amoeba that works together. And so once it clicks and, and the chemistry is there, it clicks. That mm -hmm. happened for Philly, right? Their zone coverage was like historically bad, right? Like Derek Carr and Justin Herbert, consecutive games of completing like 90% of their passes, bad, horrible. And then they kind of got there, right? They kind of figured it out and they settled in and they've gotten a lot better in their zones. They're also running less, you know, just like, we're in cover two, as, as mm -hmm. Paul brought up, then in their cover six, right? Quarter, quarter, half. They, they're, they're being able to incorporate some more, like, you know, single high stuff. All that's great. The reality is that they can't not do that because they can't play man because they don't have the horses. And yeah. that's mm -hmm. that's the long and the short of it. Yeah. Uh, it, it. Is it fair to say that the secondary is kind of like Darius Slay and everybody else? Oh man, the secondary like if uh, it that's that's the best version of the secondary. Darius Slay <laughs> is like seventy five percent, you know, like so like Darius is getting a little bit old too. So it's yeah. like Darius Slay plus slightly adjust for what you think Darius Slay at is, right, right? Plus everybody else, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like Avante Maddox is a good slot guy, like that that he's got that, but he, he's just a smaller dude. He's got really short arms. So like even when he's in a good mm -hmm. coverage position, he's not necessarily making plays on the ball. The Eagles are are playing with with tackle you know they're 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 they're, they're putting it together as best they can uh in the back seven and they desperately need reinforcements there so when you look at a bucks team that's got you know potentially no cyril grayson no mike evans chris godwin's gone whatever you want tony brown's gone like all of the potential injuries you know 75 percent of this guy yada 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 the quarterback's tom brady i mean he's yep. seen zone coverage for literally as long as i've been alive in the nfl mm -hmm. uh he's gonna be able to pick this apart it doesn't really matter to me too much who he's throwing it to because the Eagles are going to play zone uh, and Brady is, a, is just like leagues too smart to be playing that much zone against. And so that the Eagles don't have a recourse there. And I don't think Brady has a problem regardless of who his targets are. Hmm. Interesting. Mediocrity incarnate here with the $10 super chat. Appreciate that mediocrity. First time catching one of these in a while. Thanks for all your hard work guys. Also, Ben, please do the George Pickens voice. This, uh, this is some inside joke thing, isn't it? It is from Lockdown NFL draft where yeah. every single time we talked about George Pickens, I would just go George Pickens. Cause it just sounds like, like the name of like some dude in a Faulkner novel who like works yeah. on a farm in Arkansas. So like, George Pickens. So anyway, yep. It does not sound like voice. one of the top wide receivers in the SEC. Oh, when he boy, he's good in the that's right. That's pretty funny. Here's another $5 super chat for Matthew. Appreciate that, Matthew. Uh, precipitation, 80%. Humidity, 77%. Wind, 23 miles per hour. Hope you all will discuss the weather as it makes me nervous since we passed so much. I'll go to Scott first here, and we appreciate the super chat, Matthew. Scott, yeah. we, we kind as of laughed about this As a 26-year resident of the state of Florida, not a native Floridian, but 26 years down here, I will let you all know. 
if you're living in Florida, you don't like the weather, wait about 15, 30 minutes and it'll change. So listen, the fact that it's calling for rain and high winds here on a Wednesday afternoon tells me that by game time, it probably won't be raining and the well, winds also, may or may yeah. not be that high. I mean, we'll right. see. We'll so see. Also, pretty rare to have rain this time of year. I mean, this is only my second January in Florida. Yeah, it's so. all down Pennsylvania. Yeah. The, the, winter, <laughs> the winter down here is typically a dry season, right? All of the yeah, right. slush, snow, and sleet and stuff is up north, and usually it's pretty dry down here. So I'm not I'm not saying it's not going to rain. I'm not saying that it's it's not going to be windy. I'm just right. saying that we're five days out. <laughs> it was supposed to rain on Monday, and it didn't rain. So, uh, and, and, and it said Sunday night it would rain on Monday. And it right. didn't. So I'm just letting you know. I mean, it's yeah, the weather could be very unpredictable. Yeah, right. Exactly. All right. Yeah, let's continue this conversation about the Eagles offense, Ben, because uh, right now, the way people see it, the Bucks run defense, number one in the league in 2019, it's raw statistics. But I mean, I think even the advanced ones agree with that, actually. And in 2020, I think even advanced statistics agree, number one run defense. Mm -hmm. And by the way, they lost Vita Vea for all but five games of that season, and they were still the number one run defense. So it's about more than that, uh, just than just Vea. I know he gets a lot of credit for that, but it's just been in general a very real strength of theirs. Then most of this year, they're number one or number two, going back and forth with a couple other teams. And now they're number three, which is still good, but the advanced numbers are lower on them and they've struggled more in recent weeks. Obviously, no Levante David, no Shaq Barrett recently. You know, they've had some injuries that they've dealt with over the second half of the season. Vea missed the game. You know, so they've had some different people, pieces in out of the lineup. Jason Pierre Paul is when he's played, has been a shell of himself because he tore his rotator cuff in week two. So like we just haven't, you know, he'll play, but what version of him we'll see. I don't know, but they're getting Shaq Barrett back. They might get Levante David back this week. We'll see. But just in general, Bucks run defense, Eagles run offense. Is this from where the, at least the like Eagles have the ball perspective? Do you think the game is won or lost in these situations when the Eagles are trying to run the football and when the Bucks are trying to defend the run? In other words, the Eagles lose if they can't establish not maybe the run in terms of the general sense of it, but at least enough explosives or efficiency one or the other at least in the run game where they can do they need that to have success offensively otherwise they have like no shot of winning this game is that your thought process yeah but it, it it's not just like the explosives not just the success it's also the time right like if, if the eagles are nine point dogs in in the playoff game right like that's pretty not regular uh that you know this is a, a a pretty lopsided matchup it's tough to see the route for the eagles stopping the bucks on offense and so the the thing with the running game is like yeah it's got to work uh, that's how the eagles have, have operated all for the second half of the season like they got to be able to run it well but also they have to be able to take time when they run it right they have to be able to get down low into the play clock uh, and then still be able to run with success. They have to be able to string together drives. They have to be able to convert on third downs. Like, mm -hmm. yes, you want explosives, but you also yep. don't because you also want to take clock. And then as Scott brought up with the red zone, you want to be able to get down there and then get seven instead of three. Uh, the 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 winning the time of possession battle and like making the elite quarterback sit on the sidelines generally doesn't work. But also teams like the Eagles generally don't make the playoffs. So like this is the avenue. You yeah. know what I mean? Like this is kind <laughs> well, of the yeah. way and, they've got to get to Actually, then yeah. that's a fantastic point because last week the Panthers ran the ball exceptionally well in the first half. 79 yards on the ground. The Bucks had a 10 to 7 lead at halftime, only because they scored a touchdown right before halftime with the two-minute drill. But the Buccaneers had three plays, three in the entire first quarter. Right. That was that was a, a one possession, and it wasn't even a turnover, it was just a three and out. The the Panthers ran the ball, methodically went down the field, and and you know got got points, got three points on, on uh, in in the first quarter on two drives, but 
it didn't amount to anything in a game that the Buccaneers scored 31 points in the second half. So it really has got to be a sustainable four quarters type of, of, of effort. And we really have not seen there, there've been some games. The Buccaneers have been run on. They had 150 yards uh, on them at New York by the jets. And that was the closest we've seen to a team really sustain, you know, a, a rushing attack for all four quarters. There've been teams that have tried it in the first half, the Colts had a great fourth quarter rushing the ball. But aside from that Jets game, there really has not been one game where that's been effective all, all four quarters. And you still had Tom Brady come back and get right. the win with 15 seconds against the Jets. Yeah, Todd, Todd Bowles pretty good coach, man. You can get him, for a, get him for a half, and then all of a sudden there start to be some answers, right? And that's yeah. the, the thing is, you know, what's the book on the box? All right, get, get multiple tight ends on the field, right? Run out of heavy, and then throw out of those tight ends out of play action. Pick on Devin White. You're going to be able to get it in, in the passing game. You're going to be able to get it done. Cool. Great. Sick. Like, the Eagles know this. The Bucs know this. We're talking about it. She's both the coaching staff know it. Even if the Eagles can get it done for a half, I don't yeah. know how you get it done for two. And that's right. why you're going up against the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers because they got a good coaching yeah. staff, right? Yeah. Tom Brady and, and, also and all of a sudden, as well. All of a sudden, it was 10-7 at halftime, and it ends up being 41-17, right? right? I mean, 31 points in the second half, even without Chris Godwin, even without Antonio Brown. Of course, we're talking about the Panthers. I mean, they're not a playoff team. They're a top five draft pick team, but that's still even with even with Brady and Gronk and Evans, you still put up thirty one points in the second half. Yeah, Ben, a uh, good question here. Leo says uh, some venting here too. I have no idea why Eagles fans are so cocky. Oh my goodness, Leo, <laughs> that's always <laughs> yeah, going to be the case. Leo. They are, baby. <laughs> that's right. And bring up twenty eight to twenty two close game. Uh, Bucks had two costly fifty plus pass interference, fifty plus yard pass interference. It was a forty-five and a fifty yarder actually. Uh, pass interference in that game, which allowed Philly to score, gave them the first two first and goals in that game. And then the Eagles mounted that late drive. They had, I think, it was all runs actually against that yeah. Bucks dime defense. That, that was the game like, they had. They had like no freaking running back handoffs, right? Like yeah, yeah. Whole, like, it was it was a bizarre. Yeah, first half. Yeah. Trust me though, I take I, I as a man who believes the Bucks are going to win. I very much think that that game is an accurate reflection of where both teams are. Obviously, the Eagles have fixed a lot of stuff, but like in terms of the talent discrepancy, in terms of how Brady's going to move it down the field, uh, I I don't know how this defense stops Brady. And I also know the exact score because I had Bucks minus six in that game, and oh. the Bucks, if I remember correctly, yeah. like kneeled it out on the Eagles' yeah, like fifteen yard line. Yeah. And not just that, the Eagles went for that stupid two point conversion that didn't do anything for them except screw up. Yeah, it's because I bet against them. And if that happens, they do nonsense garbage time stuff yeah. every single time. <laughs> it was a close final score, but you're right. The actual yeah. game, when I watched back, I was like, man, I think the process here for the Bucks, like like you said, they, they yeah. could have scored I, at the end of the Brady game. Brady didn't have to think for the entire first half. Just yeah. like it's, it's rote stuff. You Just know kick I mean? the like, field goal is, too, Ben. Kick yeah. the field goal. Now they didn't play. <laughs> they didn't play that well in this game on offense. Like especially the second half, they really didn't play their best game. I think it was kind of a a C game for the Bucks offensively. So as we kind of transition over to that side a little bit, Ben uh, Gronk, you know what's what's the difference with him being in this game uh, as opposed to not being it last time? There's kind of this swap, right? They had Godwin and AB. Obviously, AB had a great game. Now they don't have those guys, but they have Gronk out there where they were relying a lot. Actually, O.J. Howard had six catches for, I think, 49 yards the last time they met. That's really the only game he's even feels like appeared in this season. Yeah, right. Um, and now you have Gronkowski kind of replacing that. And so they obviously wanted to use the tight ends in that past game, despite the uh, fact they didn't have Gronk. Now they'll have him out there. He's playing really good football. What do you think's the difference? Do you see the, like, which, well, I guess in some ways, like, which do you see is more valuable to them in this specific game, having Gronk or missing Godwin AB, and how do you think the Eagles defense handles that? 
the the value question is tricky because it's like, all right, if you want to keep the Eagles in nickel and in dime, then like you really want the receivers. And if you want to keep mm-hmm. them in base, then you really want Gronk. You could do either, man. Like against the way the Eagles play defense, firstly, like the same guys are going to be playing the underneath zones. And secondly, like they're thin at both both positions. Uh, they had they don't have a Gronk answer, period. Right. Uh, the Eagles like metrics wise don't look terrible against tight ends. Um, but that's because like in general, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like kind of like, oh, they allow the fewest yards per completion. And like this just structurally, like defensively, mm-hmm. they're able to kind of like just no hide what they are passing wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, when you watch them on film, like they don't have a tight end answer at all. And we know that mm-hmm. if you, if Brady likes the Gronk one on one matchup, hammer it. If he likes the Evans one on one matchup, hammer it. And in this instance, it looks like, you know, like a Gronk one on one matchup is going to be most advantageous. Yeah. Um, and so he's, he's, greatly to their benefit just in terms of third and five you need to pick your spot right like if yeah. you're if you're going to choose a matchup the eagles don't have an answer for Gronk. yeah well it was interesting too because in that game even though that was the high water mark for oj howard in the season six catches 49 yards and a touchdown he was targeted seven times so you know he had a, yeah. a productive game for oj who's just really fallen off the face of the earth since being a first round pick back in 2017 he's in his fifth year contract here he's, he's not going to be back next year i don't believe but even in that game, if my memory serves, there were two or three designed perimeter tight end screens for OJ to get him the ball. And then there was also the touchdown, kind of like on, on the, the fake throwback, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. The, the play action there that kind of caught everybody off guard because they actually threw it to OJ in, in the end zone. But that's not the traditional way that the Buccaneers use Gronk. I mean, they've tried some some of those, those tight end screens there, but uh, – it, do you think the Buccaneers attacked the, the Eagles' flanks with the tight end because of something the Eagles do down the middle of the field, or was it just a mismatch? What, what do you think about how they attacked the tight end? Because traditionally it's vertical with Gronk. It certainly was right. last week against the, the Panthers. Yeah, well, you're going to get off cover from the outside guys, right? And so if you can put somebody out right on the boundary and they're going to give you eight yards of space off of number one, then you can take that all day till the cows come home. And the, the philosophy for John Jonathan Gannon, right, coming from a Matt Everflus defense, right, Matt Everflus with Indianapolis, like, oh, the hits principle, hustle, intensity, tackling. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. The Eagles have like a 32-year-old corner and then a journeyman free agent, Stephen Nelson. They don't really want to tackle as much as like this defense needs those outside corners to want to tackle in order to work philosophically, right? Yeah. So you – kind of always have that free underneath space against the Eagles because structurally this defense wants those corners to play off and then rally up and hit. And unless you got like seven kamikaze bozo Kenny Moores like the Colts do, doesn't exactly work. Uh, mm-hmm. And that, so that's kind of always free for you. You can choose who you want to give that to. You don't really pick Evans, who's your typical outside guy. He's just not Evans in game. You right. know what I mean? Like, that's not his, his style. But for a guy like OJ, who's just real big, strong, fast, makes sense. Right. Gronk, you can do it for him. Right. But like you said, historically, it hasn't been that way. I'd imagine they have one or two. I imagine you get a lot of quick targets to Lenny on the outside as well. Like, obviously, scat back Lenny has been such a big thing. I think he, had, he went six for six. Uh, in the game they played earlier earlier in the season. Because, yeah. again, uh, when you get that back out quick into the flat, uh, structurally, the Eagles' defense has the no-cover zone, right? It's a common idea for zone defense, where if you're, like, within three, four, five yards line of scrimmage, they're not going to, like, go and get connected to you. They're going to let right. you stay there because they want to encourage that short throw, rally, and tackle. Brady will take that yeah. every time until the cows come home. And then it's 240 pounds of Lenny up against – aforementioned corners who don't want to tackle right so yeah. that underneath stuff is free and that's one of the reasons why i like i don't care who brady's targets are the eagles are going to give you that brady's going to take right. that and then you got big bodies out there trying to make tackles yeah and so you, you you mentioned fournette 
22 carries, 81 yards, and two touchdowns in the last game. Both of those touchdowns are on the goal line in the red zone area. And then as the receiver, you're talking about caught all six of his targets, 46 yards. So and that know, was regular season Lenny. Wasn't even playoff that was, Lenny. That was. That was that was Thursday night Lenny. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no question about it. Uh I think that Lenny being able to get going on the ground and through the air is a big deal because Ben, I think you and I have talked about this uh a good bit, I think, or talked about it at least early on in the season. But the Eagles light box team, right? Like they, they tend to play more light boxes and just how they line up. And ideally everybody would like to run against that, but the Eagles actually have been pretty good against the run this season, at least by, by kind of raw numbers, at least I think they're ninth in rushing yards allowed per game and fifth and in, in yards per attempt against them this season. So they've been able to defend the run out of light boxes for the most part this year. Tell me how that's worked. And also talk to me a little bit about the linebackers for Philadelphia. Cause I know that normally gets a laugh or two out of you. And is that still the case or are those guys I mean, impressive? Wait, Philly has linebackers. I don't feel anything anymore, man. All right. Let's just, just done with this. Listen, actually this, to me, this is the area where there's been the most change on defense has been the most, mm-hmm. you know, kind of philosophical acceptance of, of, of John Gannon saying, all right, I'd like to play like X, but I have Y. And so we got to change things. So they don't play with light boxes nearly as much as they did in the first half of the season, right? So when you were just saying like, all right, we're going to play with Anthony Harris and Rodney McLeod at 12 yards of depth, or I mean, maybe at like 15 yards of depth, if we're being honest. Um, And then we're going to play with six in the box and we're going to try to have them come rally up, right? We're going to try to get the nickel in the fit. Again, the nickel is Avante Maddox. He's 5'8", 185. Like it's just not, they didn't have the tools necessary yeah. to play light box you also need real like space gobblers on the front if you're going to play light box guys who can really slow things down and make back slow it down Fletcher yeah. cox is an upfield penetration guy javon hargrave right. like can be that but also he's just been better since they let him penetrate so they just they play more penetration style front and they play more uh with plus one in the box they play more now with the the traditional kind of gapped out fronts so that's changed for them and that calculus just helps them them be stronger there tj edwards is their starting mike he's a good run stopping back like he's a thumper he's out of wisconsin he wears 57 like he's 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 a hard-nosed dude he'll come up and hit you so they have that going for them uh i don't see why uh the bucks would want to run it very much um and i i don't think that that's something that's going to be necessary for them but right. when you do get into your spots where you're running that that duo double stuff right we're running that under center and letting lenny kind of pick his hole uh these linebackers are very easily manipulatable uh they don't have great eyes and they, they don't move too well it's edwards and alex singleton are the two you'll get in base packages uh accordingly if you want to run it you should be able to you should be able to get 20 for 88 and two touchdowns mm-hmm. again it's just a matter of like yeah, but uh, you know, uh, every down you run it, John Gannon's like, "Oh, thank God!" You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's not that's not going to worry them yeah. too much. And, and really, it wasn't talked about really, other than than John and I mentioned on the on the podcast here. But I, I think the the three heroes of the Bucks win at Philadelphia were Ryan Jensen, Ali Marpet, and Alex Kappa, doing a, a really good job on Fletcher Cox and on uh, on uh, Hargrave, who at the time was lighting it up with sacks, right? He finished with seven and a half this season, but he was on a tear. I think he had Didn't six he, I think he had six going into that game. Yeah, earlier in the, in the game, yeah. yeah. So those guys, just in general, Ben, if you look at the the way the Eagles get pressure, like this is one of the most surprising – I don't even know if it's surprising. That might be the wrong word for it. But you have this massive contrast in styles here. <laughs> like you have the box who blitz more than anybody in the league. From mm-hmm. more reference, has them at 313 blitzes this season. By far first in the NFL, not even close. Yeah. They blitz on almost 41% of their reps, which I wrote about this week, is way too much, and it's exposing them all the time. And it just it's impossible to live this way, the way the rate that they do. And the Eagles on the other side of things, 31st in blitz rate, 
and 31st in overall blitz is called this season. Who's, Only the Raiders uh, are lower. Who's, who's 32nd? The Raiders. The Raiders are lower. Oh, than Don, the Raiders 32nd, of course. <laughs> but the Raiders can, can get pressure with four maybe a little bit better than I don't yeah. feel, at least with Max Crosby and maybe some of the other guys they have. I don't know. What's the Eagles store here with pressure? Because I know that their pressure, their sacks, they have 29 sacks. They're also 31st in the NFL in sacks. But they have Cox. They have Hargrave regard to this hard start. I know Josh Sweat's had a better year for him. They've usually in the past had like a ton of depth at edge defender and a ton of, and they've rotated guys and they've had like, that's how they, you know, in the under pass coaching stuff, that's how they, you know, Schwartz had like eight guys that he could rotate and yeah. Brandon Graham moved around and played inside famously in the Super Bowl and had a great game. And so like, what's the story there with the Eagles front and the way that they get pressure? Is there anything there that you know, says, you know what? I mean, teams that have beaten Brady have typically been able to get pressure with four. Is that in the cards for the Eagles in a game like this? Yeah. So their rush is better than their like raw stat raw pressure numbers indicate, yeah. right? When you go and you look at like advanced metrics, like if you want ESPNs, you want BFFs, whoever's you want, the Eagles are more disruptive up front than it looks. Uh, the ball comes out quick and it's because the, the check down's like always available. The short stuff's always available, right? Like it's, it's when it's not tough to throw against your secondary, it minimizes your defensive line. And we've been saying that in Philly for like five years. You know what I mean? Uh, it was true under Schwartz and it's still true under Gannon. When you can get the ball out, it's just, you're not going to get the high impact plays sacks quarterback hits forced fumbles that you'd like from what's what what is a, a, a pretty good front on uh, so it is a good front it can get pressure with four what is concerning is that i think you've seen the best rushes against brady be guys who can go through guys who can rush with power guys who can get into his lap it's not philly especially with brandon graham out on the edge they're Derek barnett who thinks he's a finesse rusher despite a lot of evidence to the contrary uh, and then josh sweat who's who's like you know like you said been a seven half sack a season guy has his like long arm you know tries to rush you know through a guy but generally yeah, you see the build right there he's built to go around a dude right he's mm -hmm. built he's got that length he works to the outside corner really well uh hargrave and, and cox your interior guys and oh yes interior pressure it's great against brady they're both penetrators you know what i mean they're both guys who they, they try to line them up in a gap get head up the field and they're going to move brady off his spot but Brady's really good at, at, at handling that. And so it is a good front. It can get pressure. Uh, but this Bucks offensive line, I think, is nicely suited to deal with it. And the coverage, I don't think, is good enough to generate the sacks and the forced fumbles that the Eagles would need to really like see that disruption matter. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that's going to be one of the stories of the game, obviously, because most blitz-heavy teams that have played the Bucs have gotten killed. So the fact yeah. that the Eagles are already kind of yeah. inclined to not do that mm -hmm. maybe a little bit could play in their advantage. I mean, hypothetically, they can do a bunch of other stuff, right, too. You still bunch of other stuff right but philosophically they're not coming at it like miami did for example where they got absolutely torched because they decided to go after yeah. him like you know they're they're already maybe ahead just philosophically because they know right. what what not to do at least a little bit in that regard yeah and, but, and you're right john in in that game brady wasn't sacked at all and the fact that leonard fournette will be back this week certainly helps because he's a, he's a much better pass protector than they've had recently livian bell did a credible job but we saw you know, Keyshawn Vaughn gave up a sack on, on the first drive last week. That was, a, yeah, it was a pretty good block by Vaughn, actually. Brady just held it too long and, and stepped up, which is rare for him. Vaughn and Bell have both been good in that regard. Fournette's been good in that regard. Those guys might not, I mean, I don't know how involved they'll be in protection because, they, hey, they're going to be getting them out there yeah, as receivers so much. And get them out, get them out right. right? Because that's how you attack the Eagles defense, right, Ben? Yeah, and, and right, you leave me in a block, they ain't going to be nobody to block, man. They ain't sending anyone. You know what yeah, I mean? They right. got step up in the A-gap, nobody there. Yeah, uh, you can right. chip if, if Josh Sweat's really having the game of his life against Werfs, but I don't think uh, I don't think it's going to happen. So, yeah, to me, I'm getting Fournette out in the flat. I'm watching that that Mike play him soft. I'm tossing it to him and saying, go get six yards. Uh, you know, uh, listen, 
as a degenerate. I know for a fact that Lenny's receiving props are not yet open on books. And I know that pretty much no matter what they open at, I will be taking the over on them. This is a yeah. pass to Lenny game. <laughs> That's, That's right. great. I love in, it. In, uh, in, in, you can point, do that, I mean, by the way. Oh, uh, wow, wow, wow. Yeah, I didn't know that was coming. <laughs> you can do it at Underdog Fantasy right now. Guess what? If you sign up as a first-time depositor with Underdog Fantasy and you want to bet on these Lenny stats, double your first deposit with the promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, up to $100. They're going to double your first deposit. So you want to put in $100, they will give you another 100 to play with. You've got 200 to play with. Great way to start going into the playoffs, by the way, and play a little uh, with a little money with underdog fantasy. Well, just like Ben saying, there's a ton of stuff you can do. You can jump into their tournament play, which is really fun for the playoffs. But also, you could just bet on player stat lines, over under prop bets on player stat lines. You can do pick two, pick three, pick four, pick five. You can win up to 20 times the amount of money that you put down. So if you want to bet on Lenny's over under, whatever his catches, his yards, his touchdowns, whatever they put up there on underdog fantasy, on Brady, on Evans, on any of those guys, Gronk. You can do that over at Underdog Fantasy. It's an awesome site. The layout's amazing. The app is amazing as well. And they'll double your first deposit there with that promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R on Underdog Fantasy. Make sure you check that out. And uh, it's a man, to jump into the playoffs like that, that's the way to go about it. I think it's uh, yeah. a lot of fun to play with, with Underdog Fantasy. Go ahead, Scott. I know you were going to lob a question Ben's way. Well, I'm just going to buttress your point. Uh, when you look at, at the Eagles in terms of the number of sacks that they have and how much it re- they rely on their – their front four for getting there. I mean, they only have two sacks from the linebacking core, one from Avery and one from Edwards. Avery so they, doesn't even count. He's a Sam. They, they'll, they'll run him up a defensive edge guy. Like yeah. 1.5. So, <laughs> just so it, they, they do not send their, their linebackers at all. They, they really don't even blitz the people from, from the secondary. I think uh, Avante Maddox is half a sack this year. Josiah Scott has one sack, but other than that, it's strictly coming from, from the front four. Yeah. It, 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 they, uh, when they hired Gannon, it was with Everflus, but before Everflus was, was with Zimmer, I was like, ah, cool. Like, he's going to be like Everflus, but he's going to bring the Zimmer blitzes. And you can find so many Eagles, like, writers and film guys from the summer writing about, like, here's the double A gap stuff. Here's, like, Sam linebacker. Yeah, just like, we're happened. finally going to have a guy who blitzes in Philly because Schwartz also did blitz. They could rush before yeah. we did blitz. And then it's just none of it. They're yeah. they blitz more in the second half. So like I said, Gans kind of figured out what he needs mm-hmm. to not do. Yeah. At one point, they were at like five percent. Man, like it's just just right. not in not philosophically what they want to do. They want to put a blanket on top of you and make make you be surgical, make you be mistake free down the field, which is like yeah. the exact opposite of how you would ideally play Tom Brady. Right. Mm-hmm. So Ben, yeah. here's a, a question for you. Uh, uh, John and I were big fans of, of Kenneth Gainwell coming out of, of Memphis, yeah. right? G- gifted receiver out of the backfield. I mean, in Memphis, they've used him in the slot sometimes. I know you, you've got one eye in the Eagles and one eye on the draft. Uh, we saw Gainwell have a, a really big role last week, obviously, just because of the fact that, that, uh, that Sanders was hurt, right? But, but to see that type of performance, 12 carries, 78 yards, and a touchdown from Gainwell is really his, his best showing as a runner. Uh, if you know, if uh, if Sanders is not 100, percent was was this a, a breakout game from Gainwell, or was this just a Week 18, you know, type of situation where the Cowboys had a big lead and Gainwell got some yards, and it didn't really matter because it was 51-26. What say you about Gainwell and and maybe his impact in this game? He wasn't much of a factor back when the Bucks played the Eagles earlier. 
Yeah, it's tricky. It's it's funny because like Gainwell is running back four for them on typical days, which is yeah. days in which they have Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard and Boston Scott. Boston Scott, um, yeah. which uh, Han- uh, Sanders was a limited participant in practice. I'm literally looking at the Eagles injury report. They tweeted out like 10 minutes ago. So it's very yeah. convenient by them. Um, Sanders was a limited participant uh, on Wednesday. But other than that, uh, they expect to have Howard, who's dealing with the stinger on the end. But they expect to have Boston Scott. And then like when they don't have one of those guys and they bring Gainwell like up, Mm-hmm. They get him more involved than you would a running back four under right. traditional context. So I don't know. I don't know if that's like a development thing or if that's like a he really is a running back wide receiver hybrid guy. Like we have like mm-hmm. kind of packages for him thing. Yeah. Um, but as it is like on a standard day, I don't expect him to be super involved. Uh, targets to backs is not something you typically see from Russian quarterbacks. Hertz is one is you know he's part of this right. because they don't need the targets at the back. They can just yeah. have him go right. And exactly. You're gonna get the same general yardage. Um, and so yeah. they don't really use him. In that way, they don't really need the pass catching back. So you can see the the scheme stuff. You can see the gadget stuff. Like right now, yeah. all the gadget stuff goes to Jalen Rager, and it's horrendous. So if they get <laughs> Kenny Gainwell involved in that, like that might be a little better. Yeah. Um, but other than then, like the gadget stuff, or like a, a package play, yeah. uh, right now the running back room is just too thick. We, we've just seen over the last couple of weeks, and maybe it's because Levante David hasn't been there. It's been Kevin Minter, and, and that's that's a, a feasting type matchup for any yeah. offensive. I watched that Jets Bucks game. Holy yeah. smokes, man! Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, those running backs were involved in the passing game, especially down there by the, the red zone, right? And, and there was a missed touchdown, and there was a touchdown. And I just wonder if, if that's just something that that the Eagles are going to probe, whether it's Gainwell, whether it's Sanders, whoever, but slipping one of those guys out of a back, maybe it's testing Levante David to see how rusty he is or how slow he is from the ankle injury, or foot injury that he's coming off of. I don't know. I'm just, just wondering if they're going to probe the Buccaneers linebackers and coverage down there in the red zone because that's been something that Todd Bowles, whether it's Bowles or whether it's the personnel, Bucks haven't figured it out yet on defense. They'll, they'll try to get you there with tight ends, right? Because what they right. what they what they believe in is they can get you in zone because it hurts, right? You play yeah. man against hurts, you can tuck and run. That's that's 15 yards. Right. So you gotta play zone. And then you play zone, we can run our tight ends middle of the field. Because yeah. Hertz does not like to throw in the middle of the field, but he will put the ball up there for daughter, right? If he sees gotcha. 88, he'll say somebody can go get it. Um and so if that's Devin White and Kevin Minter. Like Zach Wilson was throwing middle of the field. This is yeah. a problem. Uh, <laughs> right. If if Levante is back, which I understand he's he's on track to be back, they expect him to be back. They hope. Uh, that's the hope. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. If Levante's back, not going to work as well for Philly. Uh, Levante, in terms of all the potential returns for the Bucks, Levante is, in my opinion, absolutely the most important. Right. For so sure. what you're saying is all bets are off with Levante, right? But, but all bets are on when you go to my bookie. It's the moment you've all been waiting for. The NFL playoffs are here. With MyBookie, you can take home the biggest wins of the season thanks to their double deposit bonus. It's easy. Sign up at MyBookie, use the promo code Pewter, make your first deposit, and bang, double your money instantly into your account up to $1,000. Now that you're loaded up and ready to go, it's time to place your bets with no regrets and get your wins when it matters most. If you're torn about where to place your first bet, listen up because I'm going to give you the push in the right direction. Before the playoffs kick off, wager on your first pick to take home the Super Bowl 56 championship the packers look like obvious favorites but you can't count out the defending champion buccaneers the field's wide open this year so head over to my bookie and back your team all the way to the postseason don't miss out deposit your first to double your first deposit up to a thousand dollars using promo code pewter head to my bookie place your bets and get ready for the unmatched intensity of playoff football bet anything anytime anywhere at my bookie Love it, Ben. Okay, let me close it out with these couple questions for you here, okay? Um, I know you already said you believe the Bucs are going to win, but 
let me ask you this. When the Eagles have the football, do you have any hope? And what is that hope in when the Eagles have mm-hmm. the ball? And flip side of that, what is your biggest concern? So what's your biggest hope when the Eagles have the ball? What gives you the most hope? And then what gives you the most concern when the Eagles have the ball? And then we'll yeah. switch and do defense. So biggest hope is long drives, right? That's the thing I talked about. Uh, if the Eagles yeah. can score seven, awesome. But if we're like dreaming here, they're scoring seven in eight minutes, right? Like that, that, like if you. It's happened like, against the Bucs yeah. this season. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. like, yeah. that's how what I'm saying it, so. here, like every single offense in the entire world would love to be able to yeah. do that. Right. But that that's where you are right now for your Philly. You, you expect to be able to run the ball. Well, you like your ability to convert third downs because it hurts his legs. And you like, you, 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 you do go for it on fourth down quite often. So you like your ability to use all four downs, get to a new series, continue to, to walk it down the field a little bit. Obviously explosives are nice, but walk through the field. And then you, when you get to the red zone score. So if the Eagles are putting together long drives, but thoughtfully getting inside the 30 and then they're able to score. I'm loving that. My greatest fear is that they will, think that they need to be able to pass and pass beyond the sticks and they will get to the bottom, right? Like it has been so run heavy and that has been their entire swell for the entire second half of the season. And the Bucks run defense has been, their defense has been a pass funnel. It has been a, we force you to pass because of who we are for so long. Mm. As you alluded to John, I don't think that's them right now. They mm. don't fall into that trap. Don't say like every team has to throw it against the Bucks. You're probably the best running team in the league, maybe like the 49ers, you know what I mean? Like it, you're, you're probably, you're probably the best running team left in the playoffs. Do it. Just do it. And try to go strength for strength. Lean on that offensive line. That's taking you the whole way. Mm. Don't worry is that they're going to from the jump before kickoff play themselves out of contention by in their head saying you can't run it against bucks, but I think really you should be confident that you can. Yeah. I actually agree with a lot of your points there. I think philosophically yeah, I what the Eagles do actually could take advantage of the bucks. Cause like if you're the bucks, you don't give up big plays down the field and you rely on negative plays defensively and the Eagles do not turn the ball over and they don't take that many sacks either. They have good protection. So there's a lot of concerns for me when terms of when the bucks are on defensively, I think they match the Eagles match up fine with them. Now, will they be able to run the ball at their, you know, normal 160 yards per game? That's might be what this comes down to. And ultimately that's where I still feel like the bucks, if they can get people back, I think full uh, a more fully healthy unit with Levante, especially if he's out there, they're not going to be the run defense we've seen even last two weeks, which is far from horrible, just not the normal complete utter dominance. Right. This is a waste right. of your time run defense that we've seen. So, you know, can they be good? You know, even if it's not their best game ever, can they, can they be good? I think they can be, and that's where they might fall apart for the Eagles. But I mean, if they can get into manageable down and distances, converting third and shorts, fourth and shorts, against the box has been virtually automatic for a lot of the year for teams and, and the long drives are definitely sustainable. So I do have my concerns there on that part of things a little bit for the Bucks defense. I could see ways in which this one really challenges them because they rely again, the blitz is so heavy and when they don't get home, they get shredded by everybody. It hasn't matter. Like you said, Zach Wilson dealing out here. Like yeah. it's been tough in general uh, for the Bucks uh, when that's happened, Scott, I know that we've talked about this a good bit, but when you're this splash heavy as a defense, like the Bucks are, you rely on that all the way. It can come back to bite you a little bit in crucial moments. Yeah, no, it, it certainly can. The, the one thing that I'll say about this particular game here is, you know, and I'm, I might as well just give my prediction right now, you know, and we'll kind of get yours, John, and, and yours also, Ben. If you look at, at the Buccaneers on the road, they're just a different team than they are at home. Their margin of victory on the road, and you, we really pretty much saw this at Philadelphia, was 27 to 24. That's, that's if you add up all the games, that's what it boils down to for the Buccaneers. They averaged 27 points. They allowed 24. 
And what was the what was the score? 28-22, right? It's pretty close to that. At Raymond James Stadium, it's been a different story. Really, I mean, outside of that plunker, that nine nothing loss to the Saints, that was just a complete well, outlier. They lost like four of their best players, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but still, even factoring yeah. that game in, even putting that that nine to nothing defeat in this mix, the Buccaneers are outscoring their opponents at home, thirty three to seventeen, and they've they've scored thirty points or more, I believe, uh, every game with the exception of of that that Saints okay, game. Right. And uh, it's it's just a different environment. They're they're a franchise best seven and one, you know. And you know that's that's money in the bank for the Buccaneers. And mm-hmm. speaking of money in the bank, uh, if you have money in the bank, you need to get out of the bank. And you need to to invest it with our friends at Amuni Financial. At Amuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations! We're so happy. Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead, stay ahead. Ben, we got to get to Colorado, man. Managing your family's wealth means more to Immuni Financial than simply allocating your assets. It means legacy planning, brokerage, advisory services, retirement accounts, college savings accounts, and insurance services. With over 40 years of experience in the Tampa Bay area, let Immuni Financial help you plan ahead and stay ahead. I've got the vast majority of my assets in the good hands of the folks at Immuni Financial. I encourage you to do the same thing. Give them a call for a free consultation. I'm sure that you'll love what you hear from them. 1-800-868-6864 or visit them on the web at immuni.com. Ben, last question that I have for you here, and then we'll get we'll go around and do score predictions and wrap up here. But defensively, same question: When the Eagles uh, are on defense, do you see a path that gives you hope for them? Is there a path uh, to success for them defensively? And then, what's the biggest concern for you? You've already mentioned some of the concerns, but uh, what's the biggest one that stands out? Yeah, I mean, right. So your hope is that, like, you know, you just get the game of their life from like Stephen Nelson, Avante, T.J. Edwards. Anthony Harris, right? Just four. I think that's that's not too much, right? Uh, no, the uh, against this current Bucks personnel, it's a lot yeah, different. This just, is not you, yeah. Chris Godwin and AB. Yeah, you have to be able to uh, get get just quality zone coverage from those guys. Get 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 quality games from each one running through, so that you 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 are able to force the Bucks into long drives. You are able to make them be as surgical as possible, and you're hoping that because you're missing AB and you're missing Godwin, that it will be more difficult for the Bucks to be surgical. That the the lack of chemistry with guys like Tyler Johnson and Scotty Miller like will matter and will impact the way the Bucks are able to throw the football. It's a tough ask because it's Brady, but that's what you're hoping for. And then you're also hoping for right, like the the the, the disruption that teams have occasionally been able to get up front against the Bucks. You need to be able to get from your guys. Uh, you know, Fletch, Javon Hargrave, these are your big money dudes on defense. That's where you put all of your resources on defense. Is in these players, uh, they they have to be able to show up and they have to be able to dominate if you're going to win playoff games. That's that that's your hope. Or, yeah, that's your hope. Your great concern is that none of it matters because it's Brady, and I, I, there's no way to me that Brady starting his playoff run against the Eagles, the last team he lost the Super Bowl to, doesn't matter to him. Um, and there's no way to me Brady looks at this defense and says, I can't go get what's mine. You know what I mean? How do you guys know exactly what I'm going to say? These pictures are amazing. Uh, it's, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't see how Brady struggles to find his spots and gets to his spots. My concern is that, you know, these these 90-plus percent completion percentage days uh, that, that – 
guys like Carr and, and, and Herbert and like even like Matt Ryan had a really good day. Like smart quarterbacks are able to get Brady should be able to get one of those as well. Um, I, I, I do not have that level of faith in this, in this defensive structure to stop Brady. All right. So what do you, what's your prediction here? What's kind of score are you laying down for us, Ben? Yeah. Uh, so for me right now, uh, I know the total is getting bet down, uh, which is sharp money. It's sharper than me. But to me, I expect this to be decently high scoring because uh, I think this Eagles can get theirs against the Bucs. And I really think that the Bucs are, are, are not going to run into much opposition when they face the Eagles. Eagles defense performed better in the back half of the season. But man, the offenses they faced are just not not a real litmus test, in my opinion. Um, and so to me, this is like a Bucks position for 34 points, 35 points. Eagles can get there with like 21. You can get there with 20, right? Call it like 34, 20 if you want to get some field goals in there, get the kickers involved. Um, but to me, this is a, 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 a two-score game, and this is a high-scoring game uh, when it goes down. The, the home thing, by the way, actually, I forgot this, but Scott reminded me, and I appreciated it. The Eagles have not played anybody real on the road all season. Uh, they are, they have no, they've, they've faced Atlanta in week one, then Dallas, they gave up 41 Carolina, the Raiders, they gave up 33 Detroit, Denver, Giants, Jets. Those are their, and then Washington again, those are their away games. Yeah. No, no, nobody, nobody. They play on the road. They don't really know how to travel. Uh, I think the Bucks score upwards of 35. Yeah. I think the Buccaneers win this game, uh, 34 to 20. I, I like that score. I think that that sounds true. And, and I think it's going to be the exact opposite of what we saw in Philadelphia. I think the Buccaneers come out a little slow, maybe even a little overhyped. But then they've shown the ability, whether it was against the Colts on the road, against the Panthers last week, or, or the Jets certainly, and two weeks ago, to put points up in, in the fourth quarter when they need them the most. And so I, I think that's going to be the case here. I could see it be a seven point lead by Tampa Bay in, in the first half, but then they just kind of erupt in the second half and, and pull away by two scores. You really have no idea what to expect with the Bucs. Like it's just the tr- just reality. They could play like they did in the first half against a team as bad as missing as many people as the Panthers. And they could yeah. play like they did against Washington where like there was moments in that Washington game early on where you thought this game is going to be uh, one of the greatest blowouts in, in playoff history. And then you let Washington and Taylor Heineke hang around and put points up and you dropped what, seven eight passes in one game several yeah. which one was in the end zone another one you know it could be that kind of game like they have that kind of ability as a team especially missing some of the pieces they're missing and knowing that yeah the way mike evans is typically used tyler johnson's gonna have to make plays it's just right. reality tyler johnson will have to make plays Rashad Perryman will have to play plays cyril grayson's almost certainly not playing in this game right. so you're down three of your top four i almost see three of your top four i don't know if i'd put cyril in that but he was certainly producing better than yep. Perryman, better than Tyler Johnson, brought up per game basis when he got hurt. So now you're in a situation where you need Tyler Johnson and Brashad Perryman and maybe Scotty Miller, if he gets to play good, but too, to make plays in this mm-hmm. game. This isn't really tailor-made for what Scotty does necessarily. So maybe he's right. a decoy guy and you need Johnson and Perryman to make plays in this game. You need Gronk to make plays in this game, which you you rely on that part. And having Lenny back, you hope helps as well. And we'll see if Giovanni yeah, Bernard that's plays. A good I think point. it could be a, a good game for Giovanni Bernard if they get to you. Yeah, it, that's that's kind of the X factor for me is you've got a lot of guys coming back that haven't played in several weeks. Levante David, you've got uh, Shaq Barrett, JPP, Leonard Fournette, Giovanni Bernard. Those five guys right there that have not played in several weeks. So are they going to come back and just automatically put on the Superman cape and, and play up to their abilities? Yeah. Or are they going to show a little bit of rust, right? That's that's going to be the key. And if some of those guys are rusty, which ones are they, right? I mean, it better not be Levante, better not be Shaq, and it better not be mm-hmm. Hornet. Those are probably three most important guys out of the group. Yeah, I still think the Bucs are going to win. Um, I don't have much faith in this defense, to be honest with you. I know their raw numbers look good, but I've watched them on tape too much to 
I see the flies every single week. Now, if they're fully healthy, maybe I'll have more faith in them. They just have not – I mean, they haven't won, we haven't seen one snap of their full defense on the field this season, and it's been almost always a critical player or two missing. So having played no snaps together as a full starting defense, I reserve the right to be proven wrong on this if they suddenly get it together in their first game as a full defense, if that in fact happens and Levante returns and Jamel Dean's okay to play in this game. But overall, I still don't have a ton of faith in them right now, and I think the Eagles are tricky on offense for a tricky challenge for them. I think 34-26, if the defense does all of a sudden, as their full-strength unit, blend really well together, I could see it getting ugly too. But right now, based on the way they've played recently, I just don't feel that level of faith, especially against a good offensive line. That's that's where they that's struggled true. when they yep. faced you know teams like the Saints. They have good offensive line. That's when they've had some of their dud games. And so, yeah, that's kind of how I see it right now with with the defense. Ben, I appreciate this. Uh, well, somebody does bring up Rondé yep. Barber here, getting the rifle home and can. Maybe it will be. Appreciate that five dollars super chat, Shaggy. Maybe it will be. We'll have to wait and see. We uh, we'll find out, and not that far from now, if this is indeed Rondé Barber's year. But Ben. Definitely appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. Ben, tell the people, I know you're at the ringer. I said that, but like tell the people where they can check out your stuff. What are you working on these days? Cause mm-hmm. I've seen lots of cool projects popping up with you. So tell people what they can anticipate and check out in the near future. Sweet. Yeah. I'm on the, the ringer NFL show, which is uh, Mondays and Fridays. I'm on the ringer gambling show in case you can tell, uh, which is on Wednesdays as well. Yeah. yeah you dropped ring- some gambling words I'd never heard of and I just let it go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's no worries. Uh, yeah. That's on Wednesdays. Uh, written stuff said the ringer, uh, and I, the ringer.com yeah backslash nfl mm-hmm. uh we got a draft podcast coming out soon so it's draft season uh so yeah it's, it's all the good stuff all the time yeah absolutely and i know we got some people that already listen to you in there so take their recommendations hey, folks and check ben out can honestly say out of all the people in this field in the 11 years that i've been in this field that does not get better than ben at any of the stuff yeah. the writing and i told you before man like the writing best writer out there in the business no question about it and well, glad and just to see from, you from landed from the a ring personality standpoint i just hope that that over time you develop a sense of humor and come yeah. out of your shell a little bit you know maybe become a little bit more gregarious it's, it's such a shy guy that that's the smile yeah it's the only yeah. thing <laughs> at one hour of the 24 hours of the day this is what you yeah. get from me the other 23 Right. And, I love and, it. And, and learn some words too, man. Learn some words and some vocabulary. Scott's about dropping gregarious out here, brother. Come on now. <laughs> he said buttress your point earlier. And I was like, what it's is a good he one. I love buttress. Show off for Ben right now. That's what's <laughs> happening. As Michael Kiss would say, though, read a book. Read a book, Ben. <laughs> no, I appreciate it, Ben. Appreciate you coming on the show for sure. It's good stuff, man. It's great chatting with you. And absolutely enjoy Thank the you, game in, in this weekend. Uh, it's going to be a fun one. I'm looking forward to it as well. And I know. All the fans are as well. So thanks so much for jumping in here. And for all the Bucks fans that are out there watching the show and for any Eagles fans that are out there watching the show, we appreciate you all. And tomorrow night, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, we are going to be live on this show. Myself, Paul Atwell, and Mark Schofield are breaking down what this Bucks offense should look like without Chris Godden, without Antonio Brown moving forward in the playoffs. The usage of Mike Evans, what should that look like? How versatile should they try to be with him? Or should they keep him in his traditional roles? Um, That's going to be something we talk about. We're going to talk about Gronkowski and how they can maximize him, given his role in their offense and how that's kind of evolved this season. We're going to talk about lots of this stuff. We're going to talk about how it looks like for the other receivers too, the unproven guys who have yet to kind of step up on a consistent basis for this offense. That's tomorrow night, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. So if you're wondering about all those things and you have those questions, we're going yep. to do our best to answer. Special time tomorrow tonight, night. 8.30 yeah, so Eastern. Tomorrow night, yeah. Yep. yep, so it's a good one. So make sure you subscribe, Pewter Report TV on the YouTube channel. Hit the like button as well on our videos. We appreciate when you all do that. Helps us out a ton, boosts our YouTube SEO. Y'all are outstanding. We are very close to 7,000 subscribers yes. on YouTube. Hey. Y'all have been amazing with the numbers lately. So 
So please subscribe and tell people about the show and spread the word. That's how we've grown is y'all. Y'all are the best yes. advertising we could ever ask for. And we appreciate y'all so much. So until tomorrow night, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, thanks so much for listening to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out.